Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Honor Radio, episode number one, with special guest, American Sniper author, Scott McEwen. I'm your host, Coach Soto, and this is Honor Radio. Well, hello, Scott. Welcome to our inaugural radio show. Uh, You know, we developed Honor Radio because over the years that we have been developing the Honor Group, nonprofit, and the Honor Bowl football showcase, we have met and been introduced to some amazing friends who have championed our mission mission and you scott you my friend are one of those and it's an honor to have you on our show my friend so i want to jump right in because we got a lot that we want to talk about with you and um, first you know i want to talk about your website scottmcewen.com talks about your mission statement and it says my job is to write books that honor all 100 warriors and chronicle the one. Scott, what do you mean about the one? Well, I think, as you know, Mark, and first of all, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate it, and it's a real honor to work with you on this. Um, you, as you know, we, we run across some amazing warriors, you know, and I was introduced to some amazing Marines as a result of working with you, you know, and the Honor Bowl that I never knew a lot about, especially the three-five dark horse and some of that group that held held some amazingly difficult positions in Afghanistan. And uh, you know, all those Marines are important to the battle, and all those Marines work cohesively and are needed to do the battle. But my job is to find the one person whose story is even more amazing amongst the amazing, mm-hmm. and to write books about them, such as Chris Kyle or Ryan Zinke or others that I've had the opportunity to work with and do their do their stories. And so while I think that all the warriors are, are, are someone that we need to recognize and support, my job is to pick out special circumstances, special guys within that group and write the story of that guy and really highlight the rest of the group through that one individual and hopefully bring a lot more focus onto the group as a whole. You know, Scott, you know, since I've, I've gotten to know you, man, there's one thing that I know more than anything about you. You live, bleed, every day on your social media is all about patriotism and, you know, the greatness of America. And I really want the listeners that are going to be listening to this first podcast to know more about you, the person, your relationship with Chris Kyle, how that came to be. But before we get to that, um, I, you know, you, you were born and raised in Oregon and then uh, moved to London and, and lived abroad in London for a while and then came back. But really, your trade is as an attorney. Tell us a little bit about your, your growing up and, and, and how you came to be a, uh, a New York Times bestselling author. You know, it's a, it's a long, the, the, the difference, the journey between the two is truly uh, separated by some time, but, uh, and, and, you know, more than we possibly have here, <laughs> but I will say this, my upbringing in Eastern Oregon, I grew up near the Idaho border, a place called Hepner, uh, right outside of Pendleton, which is a larger town that many people might've heard of because there's a large rodeo there called the Pendleton Roundup. And I grew up on a ranch, uh, cattle ranch, horse ranch. My dad raised horses and cattle. So with two other brothers. And so we were outside in the mountains because there's a mountain range right there, the blue mountains that go, that run over Beautiful. to, uh, to, yeah, to, to Idaho. And mm. so I spent most of my upbringing hunting, fishing, swimming, Eagle Scout, 
I mean, I spent my time outdoors more than I spent indoors. And so as a result of that, I really got to know how to survive. I mean, you know, and it was kind of an upbringing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, exists out there nowadays because, I mean, our kids live on the internet, but they don't get out and do the things that, that I believe, you know, creates better men and better women in, in, in respecting the environment and respecting the outdoors. And so, I mean, I grew up with a rifle in my hand, you know, a fishing rod in the other hand, and, uh, you know, I would go out for 10 day hikes in the middle of nowhere and you have to survive on your own. So it really, I was, I was lucky enough to get a skill set taught to me by some real outdoorsmen. And uh, that really imprinted that value on my life. And, you know, one of the reasons that Chris Kyle and I ultimately were best friends, one of the really good friends was because I knew how to shoot a 300 Winchester Magnum almost as well as he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I say almost facetiously, obviously he was one of the best ever. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, you, you, you migrate to San Diego, California, and how did you go about, um, coming to know Chris Kyle, him becoming, as you just said, one of your better friends, how did that all happen? I, as a lawyer kind of grew bored with my rank and file daily corporate litigation defense work kind of work. And, uh, I started branching out, trying to do as much as I could for charity type work. Uh, one of the charities that I work for is the San Diego area has a lot of military, a lot of Navy, and it's the home to the SEAL teams. Yeah, and sure. as a result of that, I ended up doing a lot of work with the SEAL teams, with uh, you know various members of the SEAL teams, as well as their families. Stay for say, for example, um, somebody might have an issue while their husband was deployed with a car auto body shop or with some other type of bad you know, if you will, uh, experience. And I would make sure that to help those people out and uh, pro bono, no charge. And as a result of that, I kind of developed a reputation amongst the SEALs as, as a lawyer they could trust. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they're, they're in their legal brushes every now and then. SEALs aren't known to back down from, let's just say, altercations in bars. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, and I did, a, you know, some work helping those guys out and getting things cleared up and getting them back into uh, – into the fight, if you will, and, and, you know, out of any issues here. So, um, you know, I, one thing led to another, another SEAL friend of mine knew uh, Chris Kyle. I was introduced to Chris and we became fast friends. Um, you know, we had a lot in common. Chris grew up on a cattle ranch, horse ranch, riding horses, as did I. We both liked to shoot weapons, you know, shoot long range rifles. Um, so, you know, and we both liked to have a beer every now and then. And that was uh, one thing led to another. And, as I got to know Chris, um, you know, I just heard the most amazing stories. And I thought to myself, this really is this generation of warfighter. This is this generation of uh, hero that we have coming from this, this generation of uh, military. And, you know, every generation has those that deserve to be written about, just like the Battle of the Bulge or D-Day in, you know, in, in, in World War II. And I felt as if this was, you know, one of the stories that needed to be written. And one thing led to another. We got a book deal and that was American Sniper. So, um, you know, you guys are, are great friends. You're shooting buddies. You're, you're having beers together. I mean, did, was, did he come with, to you with the idea? Did he say, hey, I have an idea for a book? Or you know, how did that all come together? Because as we all know, American Sniper is, you know, uh, a best-selling, uh, New York Times best-selling book. 
um, you know, made into a movie, an Academy Award winning movie. How did that all happen? Give us the behind stories on that. Chris never had an idea, never really wanted to do a book. I mean, uh, I have to say that I talked him into it. And uh, I just felt as if the stories that he had gone through, the experiences that he'd had, you know, both in, you know, Iraq, in Ramadi, in Fallujah, in some of the worst hell holes created in the, you know, the 20th and 21st century of this nation's, if you will, history, um, that that was an important story. And as I got to know him and Taya and know more about the family story and all the problems that they'd experienced, you know, not because of their relationship, but because of war and because of back-to-back-to-back deployments, which we see more and more often mm-hmm. with, uh, with our military being stretched thin, which they are, mm. you know, and only 1% of our population actually being in the military, yeah. you know, which is a substantial contribution by a very low number of individuals. Yeah. Um, I, I felt as if that story was very, very important to tell not only the story in war, but the story of trying to survive as a family unit while you're at war for 10 years. Right. Wow. I mean, and it was a powerful story. I got to tell you, buddy, you did a tremendous job writing that book and uh, to see where it went in the, uh, the fame that it got, it was much deserved uh, for Chris Kyle and, and, and all the Navy SEAL brothers and sisters out there that, that fight for our freedom. I got to tell you, bud, um, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And it's an honor, my friend, to have you on this show. I can't say enough. So now um, let's let's go to a dark time, okay? Um, so Chris um, uh, gets killed uh, terribly. Um, tell us what you, if you could bring us back to that moment and, and what that moment meant to you in your life. Uh, maybe you could share a little bit about that with us. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a terrible day. Um, You know, there's a poem out there, and I don't recall the exact name of it, but it was something like, wear sunglasses. And in that poem, there's a part of that poem that says, don't worry about those things in life that you think are coming, because those things in life that you think are coming, be they sickness or, you know, bills next week or whatever else, those aren't the ones that knock you down flat. The ones that knock you down flat is that Wednesday afternoon phone call that you don't expect where you're like, dude, your friend's dead, you know, and, you know, and, you know, those are the ones that truly redefine everything you think about, you know, as far as the worst thing that could happen or whatever else and and things of that nature. I received a phone call from a member of SEAL Team 6 uh, that was a friend of mine that, uh, Let's just say they monitor domestic terrorism things, whether they're supposed to or not. I don't know if they're supposed to, but I really don't care. Anyway, uh, they got a call and they said that they picked up a line that said that Chris had been killed in Dallas. And I said, look, dude, you know, I'm not in for that kind of humor right now because those guys have got some dark humor. And, I, and he said, no, 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 I'm not kidding. He said, uh, we're, we're 90% sure, you know, we're trying to check out right now whether it was a uh, terrorist or what the deal was, but we got the word that Chris is dead. And so, uh, you know, it was one of those just like literally shots from a blue sky, you know, lightning bolt where you just don't expect it. And, uh, you know, it was a very difficult day. And, uh, you know, I, uh, the circumstances of his death were, you know, the word ironic really doesn't 
cover house, you know, just insanely out of out of control that whole situation was. But we lost Chris, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, I uh, you know, there's nothing good I can say about it other than the fact that his memory lives on and uh, the vision that he had to support the troops was not only instilled in me, but in others. And uh, so it was kind of our job to pick up that baton and, and keep running the race. Amen, brother. Amen. I got to tell you, I remember the day when it was made public. Um, as you know, you know, we have several large websites that we offer, Facebook pages that are pretty large and uh, are well-liked and loved by the military world, one of them being the boys at three, five, and there's a lot of hardcore military chargers on that page. And, uh, we, uh, uh, the day that came out, uh, I just remember all of us were just in shock. There was a lot of tears, a lot of crying, uh, a lot of great memories of, uh, uh, Chris Kyle, uh, being shared. And it's a, it's a day I'll never forget, especially when his funeral finally arrived and uh, the way, you know, the, the whole city just basically sh- shut down and turned out to honor him. Um, that was whole a, the whole state. Yeah. The I'm whole. St- there should be, there should be, you know, the end of American Sniper. A lot of people don't realize there's some cell phone footage of which was taken from a lot of our cameras, our cameras personally, mm-hmm. um, at the very end of that movie, showing the uh, drive between yeah. Dallas and Austin. And where Chris is buried in the state cemetery, their version of the Arlington National Cemetery of Texas, where, you know, Houston and, you know, that type of, you know, that type of dignitary is buried as well mm-hmm. from Texas. And uh, I'm telling you, Mark, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever, ever see that outpouring of respect, of honor, hundreds of thousands of people lining a freeway between Dallas and 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 Austin, and it's a substantial dip, distance. Yes. We're talking about over a hundred miles. And the governor of the states, the I thirty five, I believe, he just shut it down. Yeah. He just said, you know what, the freeway shut down. <laughs> you know, like you know, there's no question, there's no ifs, there's no ands. The state police went out, shut off all the overpasses. Basically, said we're having a funeral today, and we're going to have a respect. You know, a a, a uh, you know a drive with the funeral procession, and that funeral procession went from Dallas to Austin with the entirety of this of the freeway virtually lined with people just Texans out with signs respecting Chris and respecting our military and I'm telling you it was an outpouring of just absolutely epic proportion <laughs> and so deserving I mean what an what a hero what a hero hero buddy yeah. and the fact that you guys you took the time to bring his story to light is just um I I got to tell you Scott um, we're honored. We're honored to have you on this uh, podcast and uh, thank you for everything that you've done uh, to uh, give glory and light to the men and women that fight for our freedom, bleed and die for our freedom. Um, can't say enough. Buddy, let's talk about other books. Let's get on to other books you've written. I mean, uh, Camp Valor, Target America, Ghost Sniper, American Commander. I mean, I could go on and on. You did not stop with American Sniper. You kept going on, my friend. And tell us about your 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 your, your platform of books you have out there. Well, you know, I 
I did the non the, the fiction series right after you know one of the deals I did with Simon and Schuster following up. We did uh, we did American Sniper with Harper Collins, but uh, uh, following up, I did a fiction series, you know, called the Sniper Elite Fiction Series, which was also a bestseller. And it's difficult as a writer, Mark, to make that tra that transition between nonfiction to fiction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had a lot of stories mm -hmm. that have been told to me by various and sundry individuals, not just SEALs, Marines, others that were certainly never going to pass the, uh, let's just say the okay of the DOD to be submitted, you know, as an open, open source and uh, declassified. Many of them involved uh, bad guys in areas where, say, for example, inside Iran, one of the ops that we run with, uh, with the Sniper Elite series is some bomb makers inside Iran that are bringing stuff out of Iran and, and doing uh, bad things on airplanes and things of that nature. So they, let's just say, hire some guys to go in and make sure that these guys don't continue to make bombs and don't continue to blow up airplanes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of the ops that was in the original Sniper Elite uh, one-way trip book. And then, you know, the book itself was based on a SEAL team sniper, uh, not unlike Chris and others that I've known, that uh, just does a lot of things and a lot of stories that the public may or may not have heard of. And uh, a lot of the names are changed, the places are changed. And so there's no classification or classified issue, mm -hmm. but it's still just real life, real life ops. A lot of them are based on real life ops that are just really, really fun. And so that character gets to go through those ops and gets to recreate those ops a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, the, that's the basis for the story. So, um, okay, so that was one of the books. Now, tell us about Camp Valor that I know has been getting a lot of play with um, the younger uh, people of America. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. I did four books in this series that, just to leave the Sniper Elite series. And, you know, uh, there was four books done in that. Sniper Elite, One Way Trip, Target America. Then, uh, then we had uh, Sniper and the Wolf. And then finally, Ghost Sniper, which was the fourth in that series with Gil Shannon, the Navy SEAL. And then I was approached by uh, another publisher, and they asked me if I would be interested in doing a series for young adults. And, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a part of the world of literature that's not well serviced by conservative thought, by books that are positive towards a good message, you know, towards our youth, avoiding drugs, uh, being, you know, responsible for themselves, being in shape, not living on the internet, things of that nature. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I put together a, a, uh, a outline for a book called Camp Valor and uh, wrote Camp Valor. And it, it really, I mean, it jumped up. It had a huge reaction uh, in that it went from, uh, it went from uh, um, essentially to number 33 on Amazon out of 8 million titles. Wow. Uh, the, the, the day it was released, <laughs> which was pretty crazy response <laughs> or shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. My friend, amazing. And you're just yeah. good. Are you still, are you still going on about Camp Fowler? No, I mean, you know, so it, it was basically a fun series mm. designed for, you know, young adults, 12 to 17, 18 years old mm -hmm. to give them something to read that has American values and, and supports our military, supports the idea that, you know, as young people, 
you have to have a skill set to defend yourself from internet predators, mm. from other bad guys. These yeah. guys take it to another extreme. I like to refer to it as Johnny Johnny Quest meets Jason Bourne because they go to a camp where there's actually training techniques that uh, are used to you know to 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 run actual missions for the CIA as a young you know with the young characters in the Camp Valor and it really had a great reaction. Uh, working on the second book in that series right now. In fact, it's already out on Amazon for sale, and it's you know Camp Valor 2.0. It's called Trigger Point. So Scott, you know, we were talking offline um, before we did this podcast, and you were talking about how you were looking at a uh, becoming a professor that would teach um, uh, young people and aspiring authors on how to be um, authors of books that could be made into movies. Tell us a little bit about that because that sounds really interesting. Well, my kind of. Yeah, I've been approached by a few different universities to do a lot of speeches and do a lot of talks. I mean, I've spoken at everything from Notre Dame to, you know, you name it, Point Loma Nazarene University here locally and many points in between. But one of the things I like to do is try and pass on some of the things I've learned, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, as far as getting things together, as far as media and writing and getting your message out there, how not to do it how to avoid pitfalls. Don't let the media drag you down. You know, uh, that whole concept of, you know, you know, they're always going to say bad things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to happen while there might be good things. There's going to be two to five bad things. And there's always naysayers and detractors for any message that's strong, as you know. And so, you know, I, 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 I would like to kind of bring that back. And the other thing that really concerns me is in academia now, I think we see so much liberalism, but we don't see a lot of conservative, you know, professors getting out there and teaching what they know. And, you know, and one of the things, you know, I like to do with young adults and that being college age as well is to let them know, hey, you know what? It's okay to love this country. It's okay to support the military. It's okay to stand up and say, hey, I disagree with you when you run this country down. I disagree with you. This country is not racist. I disagree with you when you try and, you know, say these bad things about people that I that are different than my view. And if you want to cry about it or, or do something else, I don't care. It's not my job to to worry about your feelings when the truth needs to be told. And I think it's important that we instill those values in our youth because, as you and I both know, the other side has gotten a lot more press than our side has. And it's time for us to take back some uh, take back some ground. I'm ready to, to run through a wall. Rick, you ready to run through a wall? <laughs> He's fired me up. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Get some. Get some. Yeah. I love it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that is a great segue into what we do with the honor group and the honor bowl and how we met you. I, I, you know, a friend calls me and, and hears about our event that we're doing down in San Diego and the event is growing. And he says to me, Hey Mark, he goes, uh, you know, I got a great friend named Scott McEwen. You, you've heard of him. I said, I have. And he goes, yeah, you've heard of him. You know, the book American sniper, you know, he wrote the book and it was made into a meal. I went, yeah. And he goes, you know, how would you like to have him come out to your event and talk to the kids? I was like, oh, you can you make that happen? I would love to have that happen. 
And so he hooks us up. I call you. I remember how nervous I was when I called you because I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to Scott McEwen, right? But you come out in your RV, you set it up over there in the military expo. And I mean, you were one of the most, and you still are, my friend, one of the most approachable guys I've ever met, easy to talk to, lovable guy. And you went into the locker room and we have this on 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 video or video and we want to to show this on our podcast but you said something to the youth that oh my goodness buddy i, I want to play it because i don't even think you remember it but i want you to hear this and then give us your thoughts because what we do with the honor group about educating um uh, students and coaches and 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 communities about the needs of our military vetri- uh, uh, veterans and patri- patriotism, you brought it home in this locker room talk, and we're going to play it right now. American Sniper, guys. You guys have all seen the movie. Yeah. 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 Guys, uh, I'll be brief. Uh, a lot of people never understood what the message was in American Sniper. A lot of people thought it was because Chris had the most confirmed kills in the history of the United States. Others thought it was because he was a SEAL. Others thought it was because of, you know, the Navy SEALs killing Bin Laden, doing things that people saw in the press or whatever else. But at the end of the day, that story was about three things. God, family, and country. And at the end of the day, that's why that movie was as successful and the book was as successful as what it was, because we refused to change it. There was a lot of people that wanted to change it along the way. A lot of our publishers, a lot of our editors, a lot of people above me wanted to say the message should be a little bit different, should be a little bit tweaked one way or tweaked the other way. We refused to change it because I knew from day one that that was a very, very solid message. And if you just focus on those three things in your life, and if you remain honest to those three things in your life, whatever your religion is, whatever it is, if you remain honest to your God, to your family, and your country, then gentlemen, you're gonna do fine in this life. You're gonna do fine in anything you pursue, but don't let anybody sway you otherwise. And when you, once you see that dream, and once you see something you wanna tell a message, whether you wanna go into the military and follow the roles of these gentlemen, these, these heroes that do this, or whether you decide to do it another way, the one thing I'll impress upon you is those that do serve for us, we had better respect and we better back them up here, whether we're there or not. 100% of this nation has to back up those men that are willing to go out and put themselves in harm's way. Because you guys have inherited a world that I can assure you is not gonna be less easy to, to, you know, with the people that we have to deal with. In other words, you guys are gonna have to defend this country one way or the other. Whether you're on the battlefield or off the battlefield, it is coming. Because this way of life, this football, these games, this beauty that we have here, others will wanna take it from us, right? Like or, or, or not like it, I can assure you, I've seen the world. And this is the life. We live in a great nation. We live in a great place. Never forget that. Thank you very much. Three five, get some, please. Three five, get some. Three five, get some. Three five, get some. Hell yeah. Scott. That was the first day I met you. We go into the locker room. It's a moto talk, and you break out that. My my goodness, friend. Add to it. Well, you know, I mean, there's nothing to add to there. I mean, it really, I mean, that's that's the truth. I mean, I really believe that mantra, and it's not like I'm talking about something that 
I don't understand, you don't understand, or other people shouldn't should 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 be confused about. I really believe that if you keep those core attitudes, core beliefs, and core, if you will, supports, then there's it's hard to go wrong. It's hard to go wrong in your life. We're all going to have travails. We're all going to have pitfalls. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have things that happen. But if you remain true to those core beliefs, then I don't think you're going to you're going to bury that much off course, and you're going to have a, a better and more fulfilling life. And you know that stuff that I said about us as a nation, you know, needing to support our military. I really believe. I mean, I really believe that. You know, we have a great place here and I get sick of hearing these these political parties and these political hacks within these parties say that this nation is, you know, is divided, is is negative, never has been great, has never been, you know, the, the type of place to aspire to or whatever else. I say to them, dude, go do some travel, get out there in the world, go to Africa, go to Europe, live in Europe, go to the, you know, go to Southeast Asia, go to all these other places on earth. I don't care where you go. We got the best nation on earth and uh, we got the best constitution on earth and it's worth defending. And, you know, and I think that this lifestyle that others in the world want to come to, and we see coming here by the tens of millions trying to get into this country, there's a reason for that. And the reason is not because we're not a great nation. It's because we are a great nation and others recognize that strength. You know, I don't think we can handle to take on the entire world, but I think the message we bring to the world makes the world better. Wow. Scott, it is an absolute honor to have you on today's show. I can't say, I mean, this is our inaugural show. We've got military commanders, athletes, coaches, all lined up in the next few months to a year as we break out this podcast and buddy to have you on our number one podcast i can't say enough on behalf of rick sutter myself rick is the producer um we're honored buddy and and god bless you on what you're doing god bless your future keep out there buddy keep saying what you're preaching because people are listening this is mark soto coach soto out and we'll see you on our next podcast bye thank you